All right, Duke fans, get ready for it. This is episode number 529, part two, part two of the DBR podcast conversation with Duke basketball star Ryan Young. I'm Jason Evans. I'm your host. I'm joined by Sam Klein. Donald Wine, by the way, is going to be a part of this a little bit later on. We recorded the interview with Ryan, as you know, a couple days ago, at least, you know, when you're listening to this. <laughs> We're recording it now. You're going to hear it in a few days. I don't know. There's a whole time warp thing happening here. And Donald is uh, Donald is in New Zealand. Um, he may be in Australia by now, watching the Women's World Cup. Sam, you're He's down me. there. He's down there someplace. Yeah, exactly. A long, long way away. But let's get right to part two of our conversation with Ryan Young. We, we already talked to him about the current Duke team. We talked to him uh, about his career and, and everything that he's doing individually. We're going to talk about some big picture issues now involving college basketball. Here's our conversation, second part of it, with Ryan Young. All right, man. So we're going to move on to our third and last category. And I, I sort of title this big picture college basketball stuff and, and, and also some coaching stuff. And I want to start with the coaching stuff because Duke has a new assistant coach in, in Emmanuel Dildy, um, but he is not new to you. You played for him for three years at Northwestern. Talk about what he brings to the Duke staff. I, I, I have to think that John Shire talked to you about hiring him before he hired him. He wanted your opinion, I would guess, right? Yeah, so we had we had a conversation or two just about my experience with uh, with Coach Jody, and uh, I'm super excited to have to be reunited uh, with E. Um, we had you know three years together, uh, and it was awesome to to learn from him. He worked a little more with the guards uh, at Northwestern than than I did hands on, but he was just an awesome person to be around. Uh, Chicago guy, um, he was he brought the right energy, and I'm excited to see him continue to do this at, at Duke. Uh, I know that Coach Shire was looking for a guy that was going to keep, you know, that that energy that Emil brought um, to the program. And so uh, it's going to be really exciting to have him on board. Um, I, I think he, he's I want to say he's done a lot of things. I mean, he's been at a ton of different programs and in a ton of different places, which is exciting um, because he'll bring a ton of um, fresh and new perspectives. He's seen a lot of college basketball. I think he might be. I don't know if he's been coaching for longer than Carwell. So he might be the coach with most experience on the staff, which is exciting, but uh, he's just a vocal guy. Uh, he knows how to interact very well with the players um, and is a workhorse. So he'll, he'll be in there, you know, every day working with guys one-on-one, -on -one, putting guys through drills um, and uh, just good at really add to the chemistry um, of the program in general, but definitely the staff. And like I mentioned, he's, he's incredible. Uh, in terms of player coach dynamic and and you know being effective and getting his messages across to the guys and and working with you know great players. So as a team, you guys just got back from Chicago. You had that fabulous weekend. Uh, it was great to see like pictures, like the meal, the dinner you guys had. I think Saturday night looked unbelievable. I know you got to hang out with Grayson Allen, Jason Tatum, a bunch of other Brotherhood alumni. You, you guys went to like McDonald's headquarters and stuff. What what was the highlight, by the way? What was what was the thing you loved the most about the weekend in Chicago? Yeah, gosh, there was a lot. Uh, and it was really cool. I was, um, um, you know, I'd never been on just strictly a, a team bonding trip. Um, 
And uh, it was it was it was exceptional. Honestly, we we did a lot of incredible things. We met with some really high level individuals. Um, a lot of our guys hadn't been to Chicago. Obviously, I spent uh, a number of years there. So um, seeing the city itself wasn't too new to me, but met with a, a ton of very powerful individuals in, in Chicago and former basketball players and things like that and fans of the program. So uh, it, it was another way to just kind of see how special this experience is. Uh, I feel like I try not to take it for granted. This was one of the weekends where you realize just you know how – what a privilege it is to to be a part of it. Um, in terms of favorite things, you hit it on the head with that dinner. Um, like I said, I didn't. I mentioned it. I was talking to Quinn Cook about this. Um, I, you know, not growing up a, an avid Duke fan, I didn't really know what the brotherhood was. And when I had seen it or heard about it, I just kind of thought that it's the team slogan. It's something that is said. You know, every team has a has a mantra. And uh, when you get here, you realize very quickly that it's much, much, much more than that. Um, and so being at dinner with those guys, seeing Jason Tatum, uh, Grayson Allen, you know, Jaleel Okafor, Quinn Cook, all these guys, I'm missing a few names, all these guys come back, you know, just to come and spend time with us and talk to us. It's a big deal um, and it means a ton to us. So that was my favorite part of the weekend, just seeing um how important it is and seeing those guys interact with each other uh, was fun as well. Um, it's, it's clear that they've, you know, stayed friends and, and stayed close together, even though it had been eight years since that's 2015 team um, won it. So it, it was just cool to see how close they, you know, have stayed and uh, obviously a ton of the advice and knowledge they, they, they gave to us was a big, it was very cool. Uh, I want to get to the part of the Chicago weekend that didn't happen that you guys were supposed to have a uh, NIL event and, and the NCAA said, no, no, uh, they were not going to allow it to, to go through. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you know about what happened, how any of that went down? Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope I'm not uh, botching any of this because I, I didn't ask too many questions. I just know that it was a last minute uh, that they, they uh, told us we couldn't do it. I, I knew that the trip, um, to be considered a, a team bonding trip, there was not allowed to be um, any basketball events occurring. There was some sort of rule about if you could do um, the basketball event in, in Durham or in our gym, you were not allowed to do it uh, when you're in a, a team bonding trip. So I, I know, I, I believe that that was the the kicker and why they decided to, that we couldn't do it. Um Definitely a bummer. I know there was a ton of uh, of work and effort put into it, um, and an opportunity for our guys to to make some money. Um, I, I know I I we didn't ask too many questions, but I think that that was the main thing that we to to for it to be for us to go on that kind of trip. Uh, there wasn't supposed to be any basketball being played, and I knew that they were in communication, obviously, with the NCAA for a long time, and it, they must have just been going back and forth on it. Uh, and a few days before, it decided that uh, it was not allowed. Look, I'm I'm someone who really follows the NIL landscape. I, I have people who talk to me about it a lot. Um, can can I be so crass as to ask, did, you know, what did you guys sort of think you were going to make from from that from that event that got scrapped? Yeah, um, we didn't even get to the point of uh, of knowing too much because it's all percentage based and uh, not everybody makes the same amount of money. Um, uh, but we were going to sell. I know that we had sold a, a decent amount of the tickets. It was a small gym. It was a really cool uh, gym. I, I'd known it from being around Chicago. It's up on 
it's in the West Loop and up on, you know, whatever you're look, you're overlooking the skyline, which is super cool, but it's a small gym. So we were only going to sell, I think, 65 tickets. Um, and they were expensive, 2,500 maybe, or maybe like 3,000. Uh, so there was, a, there was a lot of money on the table, um, but it was all percentage-based broken up like that. So I, I wouldn't have exact numbers. I mean, didn't get, they'd canceled it uh, in enough time in, in advance to, I don't know if anybody really knew what, what um, kind of uh, monetization we were going to get uh, from that. That, that. That's cool. It's totally understandable. Um, I, I want to ask a couple other NIL related questions because there's so many fans out there who, who feel like they, you know, obviously look, we're all in favor of this. It is, if you ask me, it's a crime that players haven't been able to, to do these kind of things in the past. And it's great that the system has changed in the past couple of years, but there's still a lot that people don't understand or necessarily know about this, this whole system. And, and again, feel free. If I ask a question and you're like, I don't know, or I don't want to answer that, it's not a problem, man. Don't don't even hesitate. But can you just tell us, like in general terms, you know, a a, a really popular and successful player at Duke, what, what you know, is give me a range, maybe? Is there a sense of what a guy like that is going to be able to make from NIL in, in the current environment? Is it yeah, six figures? Um, it's got to be six figures, right? Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's plus that. Uh again, I'm not uh I'm not in the the, the weeds of it, especially like some of our young guys are. I, like a guy like you know, social media dominates so much of it. Um and so many of our young guys, it's so disconnected from Duke. I mean, one, it has to be, but also all of our guys have really high level agents that that um you know handle their NIL stuff for them. Uh, in terms of specific numbers, I think you'd be right. Uh, certainly above six figures. Um, I don't know. I, I, you always hear about the Alabama football guys that are that are making seven figures. I'd, I'd be. I don't think any of our guys are there. Um, I'd say that they're not close. I don't know anybody's uh, specific situation, but a, a lot of it is dictated by. Uh, the agency that they're with. I know a ton of our dudes, um, you know, Derek and, and Derek last year uh, had a lot of deals that were completely done, um, you know, through their agencies. Um, but it's interesting. It's still, like you mentioned, it's it's still a gray area almost after two years. Uh, and it's still a, a uh, you know, almost a dangerous place to, to be. I remember when they first started NIL Northwestern, we had a few, meetings with the compliance office but you know they're basically the school telling us hey this is allowed now we're not going to be affiliated with it at all be careful out there that was like the message um and it's still somewhat like that i mean we had that event ready to go you know took months of of planning and then the last minute the ncaa said no so it's it's still kind of scary to be out there with how much is going on um I remember just reading about the uh, Miami stuff uh, with the, the the guy that was the prime uh, NIL guy there. I know his company. John, John Ruiz is his name. Yeah, he, he's in what, some financial trouble. Under? Yeah. Sorry? Did, did the company go under, right? Or something? Uh, it's close. Somebody's being investigated. Okay. <laughs> so like there's, you hear, you read and hear about that stuff every day. And it's, uh, it's, it's still somewhat of the wild, wild west out there. Um, we'll see how it, you know, progresses. Uh, I think our guys are hopefully, it seems like they're all in the right hands with the agencies that they're with. Um, but yeah, that's for the most part, if I were to try and wrap NIL in a nutshell, 
Um, so many of our dudes are high enough level that they've signed with agents and they have people, their teams working on them before they even get to Duke. Um, and they handle a ton of that themselves. And now I, I want to switch away from NIL for a moment. Um, I know that I'm a big recruiting guy and I, 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 my bet is you're not allowed to talk about any Duke recruits. <laughs> I know that we've had uh, Flory, but uh, you know, we had a couple of big men. Flory Bedinga has been on campus. Cooper flag was here just in the past couple of days. Am I correct? You're not allowed to tell us anything about Cooper Flag visiting? <laughs> I assume not. Yeah. And I'm a little bit just as a six year, I'm less uh I'm less into the weeds of, of sure. as you can imagine. Uh, but yeah. So having nothing to do with those guys specifically, can you give us a little insight into what a Duke recruiting weekend is like for one of these, you know, top end players and what what's what's the pitch to them uh, that that entices so many of them to come and play for the Blue Devils? Yeah, um, I told you about my experience. I guess mine was very different coming out of the portal um, because I knew kind of what I was looking for, and uh, and I had spent four years in college basketball, so I, or at least I, you know, I, I thought I had a, a good grasp of kind of what I wanted. It's the portal's a interesting place, not a not not necessarily a place you want to be for for too long. There's a lot going on, uh, but you know, I basically went on my visit and. Um, Oh, it's a lot to, to coach Shire about what impact he thought I could have on, on the program and, and, you know, his vision and uh, being a part of his first team, what he thought, you know, I could, I could do here. Um, I'd say for when we're having a high school kid on campus, you know, it's, it's the standard, whatever it is, two days. I don't know if that's changed since I've been in high school, but, you know, you're trying to show, um, it's a blend of trying to show, uh, you know, a high school kid all that the school has to offer. And the other side of it is trying to have them interact with the young guys of the team. So they get a better grasp of, of, you know, what the locker room's like, what, you know, the kind of players are like. Um, I think that's a great selling point for Duke to, like I mentioned earlier, the type of attitudes and character we have in the locker room are, you know, very high level. Um, So it's between those two things uh, you're trying to have them meet with, you know, the academics, uh, show them what the school's like. You're showing them around the the campus, uh, talking to them about, you know, how the program runs, uh, what kind of things we do on a day-to-day basis. And then you're trying to get them to have some quality time where they can interact with the freshmen and sophomores, you know, on their own. And they can ask questions to them and they can, you know, try to be in their shoes for a day. Uh, but as well as just trying to, you know, see if the the vibes right see how much they enjoy being around the guys because you know when you're a senior in high school coming on campus and you're meeting the freshmen and sophomores those are going to be your your teammates you know maybe not at duke's a little different with uh so many guys even early but those are going to be your your teammates and your closest friends for the next few years so i, I think it's uh trying to balance those two things out with you know show them everything that the school's made of give them a ton of information about what everything's like here but then um also let them interact with uh, with the young guys in the program and just, uh, you know, let them hang out with the players as well. All right, Ryan, we're going to wrap this up. Man, you've been great. You've given us so much time, but we have one more thing before we go. We have a tradition here. If This is my tradition. Every time we have a former Duke player on, we ask them for a Coach K story. But now we ha- have to start asking for John Shire stories. I believe that you will be the first person to give us a legitimate Coach Shire story, you know, 
How did he inspire you guys? Something funny that happened? Go for it, man. You are number one in the Coach Shire story uh, library. <laughs> a lot of pressure. I have I have a good story. I have another thing um, in terms of, you know, the, the biggest thing that Coach Shire does for us. I know you, you mentioned um, earlier, I want to talk about how he motivates us. The, the biggest thing that I've taken notice of is just how active he is and hands-on in practice. Um, you know, my former coaches, uh, typically just based on the age gap, aren't, aren't able to be as hands-on as he is. So like, you know, watching Shire play after practice against the managers and play with the, uh, the low minute guys is, is really fun to just watch him compete. He hasn't lost that competitive nature. Uh, I remember last summer we were doing a conditioning test and there was a number you had to hit. Um, and we all ran it and did it and went downstairs in the locker room and he, he did it by himself after uh, one of the managers or, or one of the people timed him. Uh, so things like that are just quick and easy, um, you know, ways that I, I pick up very quickly to notice just how competitive he is. And, you know, in a way he's kind of leading by example uh, that way. The story I have for you um, that I gave Coach Shire a little bit of brief, a little bit of grief for in the middle of the year, um, a lot of, I, this must've been a, maybe somewhat of a Coach K thing as well, um, showing either movie clips or uh, pieces of, of pop culture, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a clip uh, from a different sports, um, you know, era or, or different sports learning from the best. You know, Coach Shire does that a lot and tries to piece out different motivational tactics from it or just life lessons learned through different things. And one of the things we did last year in the middle of the season, he – he brought us in the locker room before a film session. We watched the last like five minutes of Shawshank Redemption. It was the YouTube clip of Andy Dufresne breaking through the wall. It's actually the clip of the warden coming in and trying to figure out how he's escaped. And it's where him and uh, uh, Red, I think, right, is, yeah, uh, is the name. It's where they're learning that he had cut through, you know, for whatever ten years or. You know, it cut through with the little axe, uh, all that. And Perseverance, that, yeah. Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman talks about geology and studying rocks and how it takes time. Yeah, yeah. And he and he did all that, and then he swam through whatever. I think Morgan Freeman says like three football fields of of human feces feces to get out, and uh, it, it was really cool. And the analogy, like, can you as you can imagine, was Coach Tyre talking about you know chipping away. It's not all going to happen in one. I can't remember what part of the year it was, but it was. You know, talking about we're not going to be able to to get over the hump. It's not going to be a one day thing. This is a long process. It's a marathon, not a race. Uh, that was the message. And I remember thinking right away before he even showed it, he asked for a show of hands of who had seen the movie. And I might have been one of maybe two or three guys in the locker room that had watched it. I remember after thinking like Shawshank Redemption is a objective top 10, 15 movie of all time. Yes, yes. ruined it for like 13 of our guys. There's no reason to go and rewatch it. But if you know that, you know, the movie loses all this significance. So, oh my God, spoilers. Yeah. I remember giving him some grief about that because the message was great. And I know our, our team appreciated it. But yeah, ruined. If you hadn't seen the movie, that's 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 the whole thing. That's that's an hour and a half of, of buildup that makes it a, you know, an all time classic. Uh, so I figured I'd. I'd uh, I'd give you that that story because uh, it came to mind right away as uh, as I it was it was a bitter feeling knowing that I, you know the the message was awesome but uh, I can't believe he 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 spoiled the this such a great movie for so many of our guys. Uh, 
two reactions to this. One, this movie came out almost 30 years ago. So, you know, spoilers that you're, you know, like I, I at a certain point, it's sort of like nobody's fault anymore. The yeah. other question I had, Ryan, related to uh, John Shire doing the conditioning drill. We asked you earlier who you given the ball to to take a three-pointer. Is Coach Shire still the best three-point shooter on the team? Gosh, there's days. There's definitely there's definitely days where he gets out there and you're you're thinking that um, he could still be making some money somewhere playing. Um, it's funny because he plays an older. I, I don't know what his game was like when he was playing here. I've seen some YouTube clips, but he plays this older style fashion of basketball where it's like he's taking running threes, you know, like running jumpers and three point line. He's posting guys up and. He's all, I mean, you can tell he's a super smart player, but there's, you know, there's days where he's shooting the ball and, and, uh, and um, there's, yeah, there's some thought that you want him on your, that's on your team. So what he played like when he was in college. Uh, so he, he, he had an old game, I think basically from the start. So. <laughs> nice. Ryan, this was, this was amazing, man. We really appreciate it. Hope we can talk to you as we get a little bit closer to the season again. It'd be a lot of fun. And, and again, on behalf of all Duke fans, God, we love the brotherhood podcast. You're kicking it, man. You're doing a great job. Thanks so much for joining us and giving us some insight into that and everything else going on with the team. We appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Hey there, Duke fans. You know, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors. No prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef-created meals, with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. That's right, Jason. And Jason, I can tell you, I just got some meals. They're fantastic. And the great thing is, like you said, two minutes, mindless work, pop it in the microwave, do what you need to do and it's ready to eat. No more cooking, no more cleaning pots and pans. And also there's a lot of choices with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So you'll always have new flavors to explore. All right, so head to factormeals.com slash DukeBB50. Use that code DukeBB50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Duke. BB50 at factormeals.com. Get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy Factor Meals from the Duke Basketball Roundup. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. 
Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, so we're back from the break, and wow, you know, so much to unpack from from this second half of our conversation with Ryan Young. Uh, before we get to that, Donald Wine was able to record just a couple of comments for us. Now, this is going to be his reflections on the entire interview we did, part one of a couple of days ago, part two today. But let's let's hear from Donald about what he what he got out of this uh, conversation we just had with Duke basketball player Ryan Young. So, guys, I I really loved this interview first of all it was so in depth i think you know we mentioned uh at the beginning uh with him we were trying to get gauge the time and we said oh till 30 40 minutes that'd be great and we talked for almost an hour with ryan young because it was so informative just you know again everything from giving his thoughts on the team and all the individual players you know how he how much he loves doing the podcast and how that came about i thought that was really cool and i'm glad that they're going to be doing it during the season as well at least that's the plan right now so um, I, I'm really, really just thankful that he's been on. I know we've been trying to get him on uh, for the better part of a few months now and and did not disappoint. Like from a, from all the years that he's been in college and just kind of his experience from, you know, of course, across two different programs, you could tell that he he's, you know, well put together as far as what goes into the life of a college student and him being able to impart that wisdom on his younger teammates, I think has been great. We've, we've seen it from the outside. It was so awesome to kind of get, you know, be able to peel back uh, the a layer of the onion and kind of go into the mind of a, of a Ryan Young and, and really get to know him. Um, it, it makes me more excited to watch him. And I know our fans out there, our listeners out there probably didn't need that motivation, but they're going to get it anyway from this interview. All right, Sam, it's, it's our turn. Now you and I are back on back on, and uh, let, let's let's chat a little bit about the the end of that conversation. You know the stuff uh, about the event they had in Chicago and NIL and John Shire and the such. What what was your big biggest takeaway from all of this? Well, uh, I'm glad that John Shire is still running circles around these kids because they got to know. Uh, I'm I'm shocked that like Ryan Young told we, we we had this whole conversation about how Ryan Young's one of the old heads, and then he had to drop on us the I don't remember John Shire in college, but line which uh which really didn't sit well with me but then he said yeah you know coach shire gets out there he's taking all these crazy shots he's doing all this all this stuff he's beating us in conditioning drills etc and i thought to myself that's definitely john shire uh he's you know i i, I don't know when when a man of his uh general abilities reaches his athletic peak but it does not surprise me that at 35 or so uh john shire is still you know uh uh sending those kids around in circles and uh i i bet they get no he said that he's legit the best shooter in practice sometimes that's amazing it doesn't it doesn't surprise me right i mean like that's how good of a how good of a shooter john shire was in college and when ryan young says that that practice adds you know 20 percent to your to your three-point shooting percentage does that mean that john shire was like you know shooting 70 percent from from beyond the arc in practice i mean it was that that was pretty cool. So, uh, so neat to, uh, to get that, that reflection from Ryan Young. Yeah. So my biggest takeaways from it, um, are centered around 
the NIL stuff and, and the trip to Chicago. I loved his comments about the brotherhood on the trip to Chicago and that the brotherhood is a real thing that, uh, you know, he sort of said that he, he thought it was kind of a marketing gimmick, you know, just a slogan. And then he arrived and, and, and talking to these guys, he's recognized that it, that it really is something of a connection that all these guys have. And it's, it's great as a fan to hear that and to know how significant it is in, in all of their lives you know, obviously to me, the other thing is, is NIL. And it's interesting, you know, I think there are, there are people who, the people who think that these guys may be making millions of dollars. I think, I think Ryan pretty much, you know, he, he squashed that notion, but on the other hand, he made it pretty clear that there are probably a lot of guys in the Duke team. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and guess like probably seven or eight guys who are making six figures and and Ryan certainly implied that there's some of them who are well into six figures. It, it's just, you know, obviously I think there are a lot of us who want to understand it a little bit better, but, but it is clear that this is a significant part of what a college ball ba- basketball players life is like at this point. And, and it was just, I, I, I was, I was fascinated to hear him talk about it. I, I think he was, he was pretty frank while also being properly circumspect. You know, what's interesting to me about that is that these guys have, and this is part of the conversation about making NIL a thing, is that they they are at their, like, for many of these players, they are at their peak uh, recognizability and popularity when they're in college, because there are lots of them yeah. who don't really get to play professionally, or if they do, they're playing overseas, they don't really get endorsements, um, or if they're playing, like, in the G League, like, nobody in the G League's got you know, at, at, is, is appearing in a McDonald's commercial or anything like that. So uh, these are the moments that they get. And by the way, after they graduate, they also really can't uh, take quite the same advantage of, you know, using the school network the same way that they can when they're in school. So uh, the, the one of the things I, I wonder about is like, you know, you're one of these, you're one of these guys at a top program, maybe just because you happen to end up at that program, you make like one or $200,000 a year. Uh, being being a member of the Duke basketball team or or whatever team it is, and then you go off into the workforce and you're not doing that anymore, uh, and and your social media is not worth what it what it, what it once was. So uh, hopefully hopefully they're also getting good advice about what to do with the money because uh, I'm I'm not sure that look I I hope that Ryan Young's making lots of money, uh, you know, throwing up TikToks or whatever. Uh, I don't know that he's going to still be making a lot of money throwing up TikToks in ten years. So right. no, that's that's uh, very it sounds true. Like it sounds like he's he's setting himself up well. So he's you know he's gonna he's gonna get a grown up job at some point uh, and join the rest of us and uh, and 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 good on him. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I think it's great. I thought that stuff was all was all very interesting and and enlightening and uh, and and the challenging thing that I feel like Duke has has seemed to do a good job of so far is is grounding the student athletes and giving them the resources they need to understand the opportunities, but also uh, not to make, I think, a lot of the mistakes that you would expect 18-year-olds to make when they are presented with large sums of money. Uh, look, I I, I want to amplify a point you made about the fact that for a lot of these guys, this is their peak earning years. Uh, you know, think of a guy like Trevor Keels. Trevor Keels was on TV, was in the public eye, was in the basketball conversation a hell of a lot more at Duke than he has been since leaving. And that's not a criticism of him. That's just the reality of being a guy in the G League who, you know, who barely gets onto an NBA squad. Look, Mark Williams probably played more minutes on national television for Duke than he did for the Charlotte Hornets last year. Dude was a borderline lottery pick. 
So, so yeah, it's a, it's a great point about, you know, when they can sort of capitalize on this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Ryan gave us some insight into all that. All right, Sam, that's going to wrap it up for us on part two of the interview with Ryan Young. We want to thank him again for giving us so much time for being so forthcoming and, and revealing and, uh, and, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit on a lot of really, really interesting, interesting stuff regarding the Duke basketball team. For Donald Wine, who's in Australia and New Zealand. For Sam Klein, I am Jason Evans. Thanks for joining us on the latest episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Here is the Duke band to play us out and take us home. Is it a report or a roundup? It's a roundup. It used to be a report. Now it's a roundup. It used to be. Yes. Yes. I'm we still, don't report still, anymore. We round up now. Like I'm still going with, with Duke basketball rapport. Uh, <laughs> we're we're very kind to each other. <laughs> it's it's the roundup. So this wasn't episode uh, five twenty nine. It was episode five twenty eight point six. But we rounded up to five twenty nine. There, there you go. This guy. This guy went to Duke. <laughs> Um, and uh, also, before we start the real questions, uh, Ryan, as a uh, relatively recent Fuqua alum, uh, I'm curious how the uh, AMBA program is going or, or what your thoughts are on it. It's going really well. So, yeah, I'm going to I don't know how how uh, relevant the AMBA program was when you were here. I just did it, the- they they announced it when I was so I graduated in 2020 okay. um, and they announced that they were doing it, but it didn't like exist yet. So, yeah. So I did the MMS program last year and yeah. they offered, you were allowed to apply to turn that into an, an accelerated MBA. So that's what yeah. I'm doing right now. Um, so far, I'm pretty intrigued by it. So it be great. Honestly, this year, in theory, should be a little easier for me because the MMS program was all the core classes. So your finance right. was only finance, economics, accounting classes. And this year, I'll take only electives. So I'm uh, pretty excited about it. I'll have to try to front load a little bit in this fall, uh, fall one and fall two terms. Cause I think I'll take more classes than I did last year, but I'm excited about it. We just had, today was the first day. Um, I don't know if they did it. 2020 sounds like COVID before COVID. Well, so I guess yeah, so I graduated in 2020. So I, I, I was going to say, are you doing orientation with the MBA students? Yeah. So we just started today that yeah, we've three days of, of nine to five, which is, uh, yeah. it's of a lot of like pep rally stuff. It's yeah, it's been uh it's been interesting. Um, I was uh I was one of the orientation leaders my okay. second years, second year. So uh I'm I uh I enjoyed that stuff a lot. Um it's been awesome. I'm I'm gonna see if our if our whole cohort can can keep the energy up because today was was a ton of energy, it was great. I'm wondering if uh <laughs> be able to keep it going for three straight days, but they, so far, uh, awesome. Are they telling everyone they have to go to shooters on Friday? Yeah, it's a lot of the talk. Um, a big Fuqua MBA thing seems to be Tavern Tuesdays. I don't know if that was a Tuesday. big deal. Um, oh, yeah. That's, that seems to be – that's a lot of the talk as well. Um, uh, we'll, you'll, we'll have to check in with you at some point like later in the semester about how that's going. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I love all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> extremely cool. Glad you're, glad you're getting that experience. Uh, all right. Now I'm going to start the real questions.
you will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com.